Hello, active and inactive listeners, you monarchs here to behold this swelling scene. I'm Dob Birch, and this is my colleague and artist-in-arms, Madeline Waddle. Hi! It's another exciting installment of Much Ado About Nothing. Plus, there's magic in the air as we welcome back to the studio Lucretia Page. Get the inside scoop on the role of Aunt Antonia, the Devil's Charter Digest, and maybe a prediction or two, tonight on The Horned Moon Presents. The Horned Moon Presents broadcast on 96.5 KMEW. The Cat. Bringing up-to-date arts coverage to Milford Haven, Padua, Verona, Elsa, Nor, and the unincorporated area of Rome. It's another week, which means another night at the studio. This week, Claude Prakowski and the Green Folk will be unveiling the first of their Primrose Path installments. This portion of the work will encompass the whole of the Windsor Road between Rome and Verona. Listeners are also reminded about this week's participatory element to the piece. This week, you are asked to say hello to the stars every night. Call them by name. Videos and photos of your star greetings can be shared on social media. Be sure to tag the Horn and Moon and use hashtag PrimroseStars. Then on Sunday at the Pessimists Hall in Padua, the Church of Old Man Talbot is holding their Bazaar Bazaar, a chance to purchase arts and handicrafts from local artisans. As well as independent artists, there will be booths from Neptune's Honey, Berries Berries, Valmont's Goats and Blooms, and most importantly, Cliff Dover will be there with the Holy Cannoli Wagon. And of course, down at the Athenian stalls, Rosie's Blue Roses is in its fourth week. It's the show the Arden County Courier-Gazette called Puzzlingly Poignant, and the Devil's Charter Digest said it's the best work of American fiction married with blues guitar from the past 12 years. As always, lots to do and lots to talk about. We've got another Dogs of War, but first, a message from one of our sponsors. Valmont Goats and Blooms and Valmont Hives is happy to announce our new partnership with Cressida Vineyards. Whether you're hosting a leisurely picnic for French shepherds or a cocktail party with continental flair, nothing says sophistication like the combination of wine, cheese, and honey. Working with the vintners of Cressida, we've developed pairings for any event. Weddings, bar mitzvahs, pet birthdays. Bring elegance to the party with Valmont Hives, Valmont Goats and Blooms, and now, Cressida Vineyards. All right, Waddle. You were insistent on a Dogs of War today, one centered around the so-called Battle of the Bees. That's right, Dob. As always, we have to preface this by saying views voiced in Dogs of War are not necessarily those of KMEW or our sister station, K-Rock nor are they necessarily the views of Dobb and I personally. This segment should not be considered an endorsement of any product, but as a matter of public interest, we will be arguing for the superiority of, in my case, Neptune's honey, and in your case, Valmont hives. So I know that your honey feelings run surprisingly deep, but I am curious as to why you think this has a great deal of public interest, particularly for our listeners tuning in for Arts News. With both Valmont Hives and Neptune's Honey hosting the occasional arts event, the Battle of the Bees is of obvious interest to the casual Horned Moon listener. 
And the owners of both concerns, Agatha Belmont and Pete Neptune, are involved in ART. I think the connections draw themselves. It's a light news week, so I'm not going to argue. All right. Opening? Neptune's was first on the honey scene here in Arden County. The entire operation is centered around the bees and their honey. It isn't an add-on. And most importantly, Agatha Valmont was Pete's honey protege. To claim Valmont hives is the superior apiary is to claim Plato supersedes Socrates. No, let's not open a can of philosophical worms, especially not that one, because you're wrong. Now, while I personally say, why not both? Very different atmospheres, honey is honey, you just buying packaging. In keeping with the conceit of dogs of war, let me just argue in Valmont Hive's behalf, honey's not a race. Neptune's honey got there first, but that doesn't mean anything. Valmont is investing in a high-end luxury honey experience. This is not your grandma's honey. This is your rich aunt's honey. These are honeys with white truffle oil, Honey's paired with the best Narden County wines and cheeses. No little plastic bear bottles or honeycomb dippers. This is black tie honey, grown-up honey, liquid gold. Honey doesn't need to be dressed up. It is perfectly sweet on its own. Neptune's honey understands that honey is one of life's simple joys. It belongs paired with fresh homegrown fruit mixed into mead, botanical cocktails, and drizzled over pancakes on a Sunday morning when the honey yellow sun is warming the earth and the bees are buzzing lazily on a lilac scented zephyr and you're in the company of your own honey and all is right with the world. Look, there's no arguing that the atmosphere between Neptunes and Valmonts is very different, but the, which one's better? Who's to say? You take your barefoot wanders down country roads, some people want sophistication, class, and elegance. Are you saying Pete Neptune isn't sophisticated? Isn't classy? No, of course that's not what I'm saying. Pete's a great pal. Because he has loads of class, plenty more than Agatha Valmont, who learned everything she knew about bees from him and then went and stung him in the back to have her own honey business. I don't think Agatha or Pete see it that way. Oh, and you know everything about it. Not to deviate too much from Dogs of War, but isn't Arden County big enough for two honey brands? I mean, like you said, Pete did teach Agatha all about it. So, like, he knew there was room for another one, and they're filling very different niches. I can go to the Smythe's birthday party for their dog. Andre. I can go to André's birthday party at Valmont Hives, enjoy some fancy tiny nibbles with prosciutto and goat cheese and get tipsy on wine and touch elbows with the elite of Arden County. And then the next day I can go to the Cabbage Mott wedding. Still off. Go to any wedding at Neptune's Honey and listen to live music and get roaring drunk on mead. And then wander through the orchard and the hives under the stars and have long loud intellectual conversations with friends that and i'm gonna enjoy both of those things it's great that we can do both in this area some places don't even have the luxury of one uh local organic honey business let alone two if you put it like that i just don't like the idea neptune's honey might lose any business to agatha when she had a perfectly good thing going with valmont's goats and blooms and no need to expand further Pete was mentioning the other day that he's expanding. Into pairs? Yeah, into pairs. 
pick your own. You'll get to visit the orchard and fill a bushel basket. You can't fill a bushel basket with goats. No, they would not cooperate with that. Well, I think when you have to choose your honey, you should choose Neptune's honey, the first and ergo the best honey in Arden County. But if you can support both, then I suppose that would be the best for everyone all around. I agree. A, a mutually beneficial conclusion to Dogs of War, finally. I wish I could say the same for the Cabbage Mott wedding. I thought we agreed our friend's wedding was not appropriate on-air conversation. Well, there was already so much planning done and people were looking forward to it. And so much of what they did was non-refundable. Pete Neptune is considering buying the wedding lock, stock, and barrel, and just hosting a general party of sorts at Neptune's Honey on the appointed day. That seems like a great compromise. And perhaps Viola and Benedict could be guests of honor. Then isn't it a wedding again? I don't know, but that wedding was going to be a high point of the year for so many of us. Yeah, Vi and Ben. And others, but I guess... Fairy tales rarely come true in real life. Speaking of which, I believe last week we left Much Ado just as the fairy tale imploded. It's time we jump back in and see what happens next. Is it still a comedy? For the thinking man, it sure is. Here's Art with the next installment of Much Ado About Nothing, which be the malefactors. wedding was off. I was in hiding. I was drinking with Don Pedro, trying to stay angry enough not to cry. I just went ahead and cried. A lot. Until I finally fell asleep with eyes that felt like sandpaper. But there's always someone awake at Leonardo's, and luckily for us, that night, it was the ever-vigilant Dogberry and his neighborhood watch. <clears throat> Is our whole dissembly appeared? Which be the malefactors? Mary, that am I, and my partner. Nay, that's certain. We have the exhibition to examine. But which are the offenders that are to be examined? Let them come before Master Constable. Yay, Mary, let them come before me. What is your name, friend? Baraccio. Pray, write down... Baraccio. Yours, Sarah? I am a gentleman, sir, and my name is Conrad. Write down Master Gentleman Conrad. Masters, do you serve God? Yes, sir, we hope. Write down that they hope they serve God. And write God first. For God defend, but God should go before such villains. Masters, it is proved already that you are little better than false knaves, and it will go near to be thought so shortly. How answer you for yourselves? Mary, sir, we say we are none. Come you hither, Sirrah. A word in your ear. 
I say to you, it is thought you are false knaves. Sir, I say to you, we are none. Well, stand aside for God. They are both in a tale. Have you writ down that they are none? Master Constable, you go not the way to examine. You must call forth a watch that are their accusers. Yea, Mary, that's the eftest way. Let the watch come forth. Masters, I charge you in the prince's name. Accuse these men. This man said, sir, that Don John, the prince's brother, was a villain. Write down, Prince John, a villain. Why, this is flat perjury to call a prince's brother a villain. Master Constable, I... Pray thee, fellow peace. I do not like thy look. I promise thee. What heard you him say else? Mary, that he had received a thousand ducats of Don John for accusing the lady hero wrongfully. And that Count Claudio did mean, upon his words, to disgrace Hero before the whole assembly and not marry her. Oh, villain, thou wilt be condemned into everlasting redemption for this. And this is more, masters, than you can deny. Prince John is this morning secretly stolen away. Hero was in this manner accused, in this very manner refused, and upon the grief of this suddenly died. Master Constable, let these men be bound and brought to Leonato's. Come, let them be opinioned. Let them be in the hands. No way, you are an ass, you are an ass. Does that not suspect my place? Dost thou not suspect my years? Oh, that he were here to write me down an ass. But masters, remember that I am an ass. Though it be not written down, yet forget not that I am an ass. No, thou villain. Thou art full of piety, as shall be proved upon thee by good witness. I am a wise fellow, and which is more, an officer, and which is more, a householder, and which is more, as pretty a piece of flesh as any in Messina, and one that knows the law go to, and a rich fellow enough go to, and a fellow that hath had losses, and one that hath two gowns, and everything handsome about him, bring him away. Oh, that I had been writ down an ass. And so Don John's plot was about to come to light. Your father and your aunt determined to punish me for my part in it. They lay in wait for me and the prince the next morning. If you go on thus, you will kill yourself, and tis not wisdom thus to second grief against yourself. I pray thee, cease thy counsel, which falls into mine ears as profitless as water in a sieve. 
Give not me comfort, nor let no comforter delight mine ear, but such a one whose wrongs do suit with mine. Bring me a father that so loves his child, whose joy of her is overwhelmed like mine, and I of him will gather patience. But there is no My griefs cry louder than advertisement. Therein do men from children nothing differ. I pray thee peace. I will be flesh and blood. Yet bend not all the harm upon yourself. Make those that do offend you suffer too. There thou speakst reason. Nay, I will do so. My soul doth tell me hero is belied. And that shall Claudio know. So shall the prince. And all of them that thus dishonor her. Here comes the prince and Claudio hastily. Good den, good den. Good day to both of you. Hear you, my lords. We have some haste, Leonardo. Some haste, my lord. Well, fare you well, my lord. Are you so hasty now? Well, all is one. Nay, do not quarrel with us, good old man. If he could right himself with quarreling, some of us would lie low. Who wrongs him? Mary, thou dost wrong me. Thou dissembler, thou... I fear thee not. Mary, beshrew my hand, if it should give your age such cause of fear. Tush, tush, man, never fleer and jest at me. No, Claudio, to thy head. Thou hast so wronged mine innocent child and me that I am forced to lay my reverence by, and with gray hairs and bruise of many days do challenge thee to trial of a man. I say thou hast belied mine innocent child. Thy slander hath gone through and through her heart, and she lies buried with her ancestors, so in a tomb where never scandal slept, save this of her, framed by thy villainy. My villainy? Thine, Claudio, thine, I say. Away, I will not have to do with you. Canst thou so daff me? Thou hast killed my child. If thou killst me, boy, thou shalt kill a man. He shall kill two of us, and men indeed. Come, follow me, boy. Come, sir boy, come follow me. Sir boy, I'll whip you from your foining fence. Sister. Content yourself. God knows I love my niece, and she is dead, slandered to death by villains, boys, apes, braggarts, jacks, millsops. Sister Antonia. Hold your content. What man? I know them, yea, that lie, cog, and flout, deprave and slander, go antically and show outward hideousness and speak off half a dozen dangerous words. How they might hurt their enemies if they durst. And this is all. But Sister Antonia. Um, Tis no matter. Do not, you meddle. Let me deal in this. We will not wake your patience. My heart is sorry for your daughter's death, but on my honor she was charged with nothing but what was true and very full of proof. My lord, my lord. I will not hear you. No. Come, sister, away. I will be heard. Or shall, or some of us will smart for it. Did you really just shrug him off like that? Didn't you feel anything thinking I had died? The prince shrugged him off. I could hardly speak. The idea that you simply weren't anymore. It was unthinkable. Don't blame Don Pedro for not taking your father's bait. He was desperate to comfort a friend and keep me from going completely catatonic. See, see, here comes the man we went to seek. 
Now, Senor, what news? Good day, my lord. Welcome, Senor. You are almost come to part, almost afraid. In a false quarrel, there is no true valor. I came to seek you both. Now, we have been up and down to seek thee, for we are high-proof melancholy and would fain have it beaten away. Wilt thou use thy wit? Is in my scabbard. Shall I draw it? Dost thou wear thy wit by thy side? Never any did so, though very many have been beside their wit. I will bid thee draw as we do the minstrels. Draw to pleasure us. As I am an honest man, he looks pale. Art thou sick or angry? By this light, he changes more and more. I think he be angry indeed. Shall I speak a word in your ear? God bless me for a challenge. You are a villain. I jest not. I will make it good how you dare, with what you dare, and when you dare. Do me right, or I will protest your cowardice. You have killed a sweet lady, and her death shall fall heavy on you. Let me hear from you. Well, I will meet you, so I may have good cheer. I have never seen Benedict that angry. Hope I never do again. I'll tell thee how Beatrice praised thy wit the other day. I said thou hadst a fine wit. True, said she, a fine little one. Nay, said I, he hath the tongues. That I believe, said she, for he swore a thing to me on Monday night, which he forswore on Tuesday morning. There's a double tongue, there's two tongues. Thus did she, an hour together, transshape thy particular virtues. Yet at last she concluded with a sigh, thou wast the properest man in Italy. For the which she wept heartily and said she cared not. Yea, that she did, but yet for all that, and if she did not hate him deadly, she would love him dearly. The old man's daughter told us all. All, all, and moreover, God saw him when he was hid under in the garden. But when shall we set the savage bull's horns on the sensible Benedict's head? Yea, in text underneath, here dwells Benedict, the married man. <laughs> Bear you well, boy, you know my mind. My lord, for your many courtesies, I thank you. I must discontinue your company. Your brother, the bastard, is fled from Messina. You have among you killed a sweet and innocent lady. For my lord, Lackbeard there, he and I shall meet. Until then, peace be with him. He is in earnest. In most profound earnest, and I'll warrant you for the love of Beatrice. And hath challenged thee. Most sincerely. Things kept getting worse. I did grieve to think you were dead. Benedict had challenged me, and no matter how I tried to laugh it off, I was afraid of meeting him again. I think he would kill anyone at Beatrice's request, even his dearest friend. It seemed like he would. And even as I tried to shrug off his threats, the truth came in to sucker punch me. Come you, sir, if justice cannot tame you, she shall ne'er weigh more reasons in her balance. Nay, and you be a cursing hypocrite once, you must be looked to. How now? Two of my brother's men bound. Baraccio one. Officers, what offense have these men done? Mary, sir. They have committed false report. Moreover, they have spoken untruths. Secondarily, they are slanderers. Sixthly, and lastly, they have belied a lady. Thirdly, they have 
verified unjust things, and to conclude, they are lying knaves. First, I ask thee what they have done. Thirdly, I ask thee what's their offense. Sixth, and lastly, why they are committed. And to conclude, what you lay at their charge. Oh, rightly reasoned. And in his own division, and by my troth, there's one meaning well suited. Who have you offended, masters, that you are thus bound to your answer? This learned constable is too cunning to be understood. What's your offense? A sweet prince, let me go no farther to mine answer. Do you hear me? And let this count kill me. I have deceived even your very eyes. What your wisdoms could not discover, these shallow fools have brought to light, who in the night overheard me confessing to this man how Don John, your brother, and sent me to slander the lady hero. How you were brought into the orchard and saw me court Margaret in hero's garments. How you disgraced her when you should marry her. The lady is dead upon mine and my master's false accusation. And briefly, I desire nothing but the reward of a villain. Runs not this speech like iron through your blood? We have drunk poison whilst he uttered it. But did my brother set thee on to this? Yea, and paid me richly for the practice. He is composed and framed of treachery, and fled he is upon this villainy. Sweet hero, now thy image doth appear in the rarest semblance that I loved at first. Word was spreading quickly through Messina. Anyone who had seen the watch had learned the truth, and my father was ready to kill the man who tricked you and slandered me. Which is the villain? Let me see his eyes, that when I note another man like him, I may avoid him. Which of these is he? If you would know your wronger, look on me. Art thou the knave that with thy breath has killed mine innocent child? Yea, even I alone. No, not so, villain, thou beliest thyself. Here stand a pair of honorable men. A third is fled that had a hand in it. I thank you, princess, for my daughter's death. Record it with your high and worthy deeds. Twas bravely done, if you bethink you of it. I know not how to pray your patience, yet I must speak. Choose your revenge yourself. Impose me to what penance your invention can lay upon my sin. Yet sinned I not, but in mistaking. By my soul, nor I. And yet, to satisfy this good old man, I would bend under any heavy weight that he'll enjoin to me. I cannot bid you bid my daughter live. That were impossible. But I pray you both, possess the people in Messina here how innocent she died. And if your love can labor aught in sad invention, hang her an epitaph upon her tomb and sing it to her bones. Sing it tonight. Tomorrow morning come you to my house, and since you could not be my son-in-law, be yet my nephew. My sister hath a daughter, almost the copy of my child that's dead, and she alone is heir to both of us. Give her the right you should have given her cousin, and so dies my revenge. Noble sir, your over-kindness doth ring tears from me. 
Tomorrow, then, I will expect your coming. Tonight I take my leave. This naughty man shall face to face be brought to Margaret, who I believe was packed in all this wrong, hired to it by your brother. Uh, no, by my soul, she was not. Nor knew not what she did when she spoke to me, but always hath been just and virtuous in anything that I did know by her. Poor Margaret. She was just in love. And love makes all of us stupid. Moreover, sir, which indeed is not under white and black, this plaintiff here, the offender, did call me an ass. I beseech you, let it be remembered in his punishment. And also, the watch heard him talk of one deformed. They say he borrows money in God's name, the which he hath used so long and never paid, that now men grow hard-hearted and will lend nothing for God's sake. Pray you, examine him on that point. I thank thee for thy care and honest pains. Your worship speaks like a most thankful and reverent youth and I praise God for you. There's for your pains. God, save the foundation. Go. I discharge thee of thy prisoner, and I thank thee. I leave an errant knave with your worship, which I beseech your worship to correct yourself for the example of others. God keep your worship. <clears throat> I wish your worship well. God restore you to health I humbly give you leave to depart, and if a merry meeting may be wished, God prohibit it. Come, neighbor. Until tomorrow morning, lords. Farewell. Farewell, my lords. We'll look for you tomorrow. We will not fail. A night I'll mourn with hero. I didn't think I'd ever smile again. Nor did I. Regardless of what your father said, I knew mourning you, marrying your cousin, it wasn't enough. Nothing could be enough. Even now, I know I can never make it up to you. You were an idiot and you were a boy. You are a different person now. Your face is a different one than the one that met me at the altar for the first time. Sadness softened it. Strange. Because I think sadness strengthened yours. Then we couldn't guess that true joy was coming. That having paid our dues, having felt the loss of love, when it was restored, it would be that much richer. That was still to come. Okay, I have got to admit that Mason maybe knows what he's doing. And we've got Lucretia Page heading on down to the studio now with Waddle, so in the meantime, here's the line of the week. I will make it good how you dare, with what you dare, and when you dare. Mention the line of the week at the Morning Lark Diner for half off their waffle of the week. This week, the diner is serving up the Don John, a rich cinnamon waffle topped with dark chocolate chips, a sweet and spicy red pepper syrup, and whipped cream. And now joining us in the studio, please welcome the lovely and ever-talented Lucretia Page. Lucretia, it is always a delight. 
Thank you, Dob. I always find it terribly refreshing and revitalizing being on the show. Such excellent energy around the horned moon, both in the sky and in the studio. However, um, I need to interject something here, um, some information I recently gleaned, if I may. You may. Mm. Um, I was studying the Akasic records. You, you know, I, I don't need to tell you to, of course, but that mystical knowledge that is stored in the non-physical plane of existence. Well, anyway, um, I, I found some substantive research that reveals that my surname and that of my husband, Michael, too, of course, is actually pronounced page a la Francaise. So I would appreciate it ever so much if you would honor this henceforth. I cannot wait. I would be delighted, Mrs. Page. We're so glad to have you here, Lucretia. Um, we were somewhat worried that our previous Dogs of War segment on the Devil's Charter Digest might have struck a nerve. Oh, not at all. I expected nothing less. We all know Dob is something of a cynic. I am in no way surprised. He doesn't recognize the importance of the metaphysical in his day-to-day -day life, nor finds it necessary to be informed of those spiritual forces walking, working, and maneuvering all around us. Well, you know, as they say, ignorance is bliss. In this case, I would not call it ignorance. What would you call purposely choosing to ignore an entire field of study? and disregard the evidence you perceive with your own senses in order to maintain a more comforting worldview? I mean, my senses are not perceiving anything, so that's not really what I'm doing. It's kind of what you're doing, though, Dob, because you don't try to perceive anything. Remember the curse last year? Ah, an excellent point. Oh, and may I use the soapbox just for a moment to admonish those in charge of Arden Radio Theater to not choose a tragedy again so soon. They're always, it just presents such psychic difficulties for the community and we're barely recovering from the Scottish play. Here, here. I'm so interested to hear you say that because part of the Macbeth fallout, if you want to call it that, has been the installation of Mason as artistic li liaison and a litany of changes to art. But noticeably, the board has remained anonymous. What is your obsession with names, Doc? I don't have an obsession with names. I just think if you're in a leadership role... Names, names are powerful things. Knowing a name, naming a thing, that's a power exchange. That's why responsible pet owners see me before just willy-nilly choosing a name for their pet. The animal should tell you its name. Oh, which reminds me, Waddle, dear, that big ginger cat of Pete's, it's not named Bowie. He prefer, prefers to go by Star. Do tell Pete. Uh, sure. Next time I see him. I'm sorry, what does any of this have to do with the ART board's dogged anonymity? Why must you know their names? How would their identities change their integrity? You wish to know so that you have the upper hand. Once you've named them, you can make assumptions about their motivations, but what good will that do anyone? None. But do you feel like the changes they've been making have really made any substantial difference? 
Oh, absolutely. There used to be such an air of competition around everything. And, and now we're just engaged in the business of lifting each other up. It's very revolutionary and much to Mason's credit, although my memories of the past were all quite warm and I refuse to cast any aspersions on them, but growth is good no matter what might be displaced in the growing. And how exactly has Mason personally contributed to this new atmosphere of encouragement? Again, I find we must turn to the importance of names. Mason, he has since birth been destined to construct, to join, to bring the disparate together in a unified whole. And so he has. One could say the same of you, Dob, that like the architectural origins of your own name, you have the propensity to add reinforcements to a structure, to create a barrier to storms and weather, to seal up cracks. But you seem to be rather Hmm. Prefer exposing the weaknesses and probing them. I I really don't understand why I'm constantly under attack on my own oh, show. No, no, you're not. I'm simply pointing out that you play a role within ART and the changes it is in making. And, and would the house you stand in not be stronger if you had helped with the building rather than stood there pointing out the problems? I think she's right, Dob. You do have a tendency to only look on the dark side of things and never see the silver lining. I think you all are mistaking the things that I say in this program for what I do. I mean, I do so much to make sure that the show sounds great week after week. I do so much to uh, build up the community around it. Uh, just because I grill down at the nitty-gritty details when I'm behind the microphone doesn't mean that I'm not trying to support the whole thing. It's a gross misinterpretation of everything that's happened. Mason manipulated the artboard into creating a position that's allowed him to swoop in and act the savior. What separates an act in the theatrical sense from an act in the sense of the, the real and true action? For the evidence would seem to be that in acting the savior, Mason has, in fact, saved A.R.T. from itself and created a bit of an unexpected renaissance. Can you fault him for that? I can do what I want. Very professional, Dob. So, Lucretia, tell us more from an acting perspective about what you think Mason brought to this production. I'm going to be the last to argue with the results. It has been, I think, and I'm saying this on record, one of art's finest works. Oh, indeed. I agree, Don. I feel that ART is in a new astral world, and the entire cast is re-energized by Mason's direction. Speaking for myself, although I feel I'm not alone, Mason has touched my um, chakra, if you will. <laughs> I have discovered a new raison d'etre. He has a way about him, Dob, that you seem to find unpalatable, but which most of us find as endearing. I mean, he makes personal connections with everybody. Now, Lucretia, getting to some specifics about the work, um, although it may have been an invention born of necessity, I've really felt like making Antonio into Antonia has been a stroke of genius. Do you feel like 
your interpretation of the character along with Mason has been in some way revolutionary? Uh, what a beautiful question, my dear. Uh, as a woman myself, I feel the change from Antonio to Antonia is not only revolutionary, but indeed revelatory. <laughs> Might I explain? Please do. Please do. Mm, through portraying the role of Antonia, I found, I, I, that is, I deeply believe she is Beatrice's mother. <gasps> this is revelatory. I'm very excited. Tell me more. Well, it just came to me. It, it's really all in the text. Don't you believe so? If you, if you read, well, between the lines. So it's in between the text. It's not in the text. Yes, exactly. You've got it. I, I can kind of see it. I mean, it makes sense because we know that Beatrice is Leonardo's niece and they never otherwise mention her parentage. I think this actually solves a lot of problems, a lot of logical gaps that the text has. I love it. Well, thank you. I'd be really interested to see, because I think it's really working this time, but um, I'd be interested to see if the character remained an uncle, if it would be as powerful. I certainly agree it's working very well for this production. I guess we'll have to wait till the next time ART decides to do the show. Based on past records, it'll be another decade and a half, so I'm sure we will all have forgotten this conversation by then. <laughs> Um, but Lucretia Paget, uh, will you be auditioning for what comes next uh, at art, whatever that might be? Time will tell, Dob. That whirligig of time brings in more than just revenges. And I feel that many things hang in the balance at the moment. For instance, uh, perhaps your other commitments um, to the Digest and the Green Folk, Side note, Dob and I are loving the Primrose Path. Um, what exactly brought the Green Folk into collaboration with Claude? Oh, Claude is a person of great gravitational pull. Like a gas giant. It was only a matter of time before the Green Folk were drawn into his orbit. What would you consider the intent of this really ambitious project? Well... It's an aesthetic reset of all our consciousness. The primrose path is really a path towards mythic ecstasy. We will unearth how to navigate this mythic quantum soup together. More than anything, though, the, the green folk are on a vision quest, exploring the totality as an interface betwixt understanding and curiosity. I love it. That is a soup that I'm ready to dive into and dog pedal around in. I'll, I'll sip a little bit of it and see how it goes. Um, I, I'm going to confess that uh, I only ever did curl my toes twice uh, in that whole week. So um, maybe maybe uh, the the soup of human connection is is not necessarily for me. This might be an opportunity, Dob, to like awaken your desire to uh, have some sort of connection and an exchange with the great soup. I, I did curl my toes twice. Oh, but soup is nothing. so fulfilling. You must try the soup. I, I will sip. 
I guess that will have to do for now. Um, Lucretia, you are also well known as a prognosticator. Are there any predictions you can share with us about the future of Arden County? Uh, the spring is always a time of change and upheaval. And I believe we'll see quite a great upheaval this spring. Things deeply buried pushed forth into blossoming. Anything more specific? Well, uh, as a professional courtesy to wink tittle, I don't usually make public predictions. It really does a number on his odds. <laughs> but I wouldn't mind making some more personal predictions for the two of you. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not really my jam. Yes, yes, please. Predict away. Uh, waddle, oh, waddle, waddle, waddle. Madeline, <laughs> you wee, timorous beastie. You have fallen into some very good fortune this year, haven't you? Yes, I really, really have. Ahead, your path splits. On the one hand, happiness of a quiet, gentle, contented sort. And on the other, some terribly high highs, coupled with some equally terrible lows. You may trot slowly the path of contentment, or you may run through canyons and up the highest peaks. Remember, they stumble that run fast. Yes, you are so wise, Lucretia. I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm definitely going to be keeping that in mind. Now, Dob. No, no, we really don't have to do this, and certainly not on air. You have to be held accountable by your listeners. You are too apt to disregard that which you hear in private, but I have the greatest trust in Waddle, if no one else, that she will remind you that you know better. Do you have to sound so grim? There is a bridge in your life which must be mended. Brothers should never act against brother. I'm not acting against Mason. If you all recall, any time that I bring him up, I am speaking positively, but I know him better than the rest of you, and I know he's going to let Art down. That's what he does. Ask Diana, ask M. Dover, ask Kim Purnell. I don't foresee Mason bringing A-R-T in hand and then publicly and with malfeasance of forethought throwing it in the, the crapper. He's engaged on your behalf. He's bringing that which you love back from the brink. It isn't your cynicism he requires, but your gratitude. Okay, he can have it. I admit he's done an amazing job with this show so far. And he's treated everyone well so far, but I'm not counting any of those chicks until they sing. To love, you must trust. Mason is but the first test. You will see a domino effect of affection once you have forgiven him. Okay. Okay, point taken. But it's not a prediction. This is just armchair psychology. Oh, and you'll need to buy a new car in the next three months. Something about... The transmission? Let's finish this up with a Shakespeare question. Waddle? Absolutely. All right, Lucretia. Your question comes tonight from Henry VI, Part 2. Oh, where is faith? Oh, where is faith? Ah, uh, such a good question. Well, I believe that faith can be found only in the void, 
And I'll leave it at that. Yes, in a void, hopefully filled with soup. Yes, indeed. The soup void, if you will. Mm. The soid. Yes, the soid. All right. Well, we'll be back next week with the final installment of Much Ado About Nothing and an interview with Phoebe Gherkin, hero by name, heroine by function. Until then, this show is our show. And these dogs are my dogs. We're Waddle. And Dob. And this has been The Horned Moon Presents. The Horned Moon Presents is written by Merlin Cusell and directed and produced by me, Marshall B. Garrett. Merlin plays Waddle and I play Dob. Our guest this week was Jana Molina playing Lucretia Paget. Our music, as always, is by J. Andrew Dickinson and mixed by Eric Bostic. Next week is our finale and we'll be taking some time off after that to get ready for season three. While we're on hiatus, we'd love for you to drop us a review and tell a couple of friends that there's plenty of time to catch up. Now fare you well, for now our show is done. Until next week, you'll have to make your own fun. Ours be your patience, friends, and yours our parts. Your gentle ears lend us and take our hearts. <laughs> <laughs>